What a wonderful Lord we serve, and to Jesus be all the glory. And God's people said, Amen. Today I'm dealing with seven results that show you and I that we are truly born again. How do we know? You know, and the Bible says, make your election sure. But the question is, what do I look at? Well, the Bible shows us seven amazing results that show us we are truly in the kingdom. We are truly on our way to heaven. And thank you for being with me today. I pray the Lord would use this blessed teaching to strengthen you, establish you, and use you to bless many all around you. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promise. To you belongs all the glory, precious Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Remember I said yesterday, there's a big difference between conversion and regeneration. Conversion is coming to Jesus. Regeneration is following Jesus. So the Lord said, come on to me. But then he also said, follow me. So many will come to the Lord and sadly leave. As we see today, a great falling away. But when we follow, we stay in the faith and we grow in the knowledge of of the Lord. Now, seven results that will be seen in our life if we are following the Lord. Number one, 1 Corinthians 6. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What know ye not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. So, when one is truly saved, when one is truly born again, the Holy Spirit comes to take his permanent dwelling in that individual. So we know, number one, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, um, it's true, we may not always be conscious of this indwelling, but he dwells in us and he reveals his love to us and through us. It's not about feeling it, it's about knowing and living in it, where you just know. Everything in you knows and you see the results in your life. Jesus only Jesus. Your focus, your attention, your heart, your all is on Jesus. And then you, it, it's, it's progressive. It's something that you just know more and more and stronger and stronger. All right, now, number two. Number two is Romans chapter eight. Now, I know somebody's probably saying, well, how come I don't feel it? Well, we're not supposed to feel it. It's, it's, it's a living, it's a knowing, it's, it's an awareness of the presence of the Lord. You know, people say, I feel Jesus. You can't feel Jesus. You know Jesus. You don't feel. People sometimes uh, misinterpret the anointing for the presence of God. You can feel the anointing, but you can't feel the presence. The presence is known. Like a lady came one day, she said, I sense the presence of the Lord. I think that's a much better word than I feel because feeling is, is emotional. 
but it's a deep knowing. When Jesus is there, there's no question. It's a deep knowing beyond emotions. And so that's how we know the presence of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. When you, when you do something and say something wrong, you know it. There's a conviction. There's a knowing, I, I shouldn't have done that. Well, who's, who's convicting us? The Holy Spirit. So sometimes I used, to, I used to see people back when I was younger in the Lord. They would speak in tongues to assure themselves that the Holy Spirit is still there. Well, that's not the way to do it. Just because you can speak in tongues doesn't mean it. Because that's the gift. The person can go and the, and the gift can remain. But his inner presence is known. Is known. And those of you who are mature in the Lord know exactly what I'm talking about. And those that are just growing, you'll know it, I promise you. Now, let's look at the second result. The second result is Romans 8, verse 2, right through verse 4. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So in Romans 7, we have the picture of a believer who wants to keep the law of God, but cannot. At last, he comes to the end of himself or the end of herself and turns to the Lord completely and totally. And now the Lord becomes completely the Lord of that person's life. And now he surrenders, she surrenders, and there is an incredible freedom from the law of sin. They are free from that law that drives them into sin. And now there's the liberty of Jesus, the liberty of the Holy Spirit as they come to the end of themselves and surrender to the Lord. Because the one who is really born again, uh, the spirit of life is at work in that person. All right. Number three. Number three is Romans 12, 2. So number one, we know it by the presence of God in us. Number two, we know we are growing because the law of the spirit of life is setting us free from the law of sin. What we used to love, we don't love. What we used to hate, we don't hate. It's a total change in us. So now, Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So from this truth, we find that we who are truly born again, uh, the change begins outwardly by the inner renewing of our mind. So that no longer are we fashioned according to this world. Now listen, this does not happen at once, okay? The change doesn't happen outwardly, I mean, at once. In fact, in 1 Peter, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So this is not a one, you know, just, you know, this doesn't happen all at once. Like a baby, we grow into that full man in Christ Jesus. 
who is renewed by the Holy Spirit. And that's how it, it, it really begins. It says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. So when, when it says, don't be conformed to this world, be renewed, well, renewal is not like, like this. It's a process of renewal. By the word of God, we're changed day by day. So this new life that we have must be fed, is what we are reading here. It says, desire the, the word of God, as newborn babes desire the, the sincere milk of the word. So as, as new in Jesus, is this new life must be fed to develop. And you can't expect that just because we are saved now, we are strong and mature as someone who has been in the, in the faith for a longer time than we, and more mature in the spirit. So that is the third way you know that you are not going back into the world. You're being developed. You're being renewed. You're growing into the image of Jesus. The fourth result you look for is 1 John. 1 John. Let's go to this wonderful portion and chapter 5 and verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. That's a powerful verse. So here we see the fourth result is the minute we are truly born again, regenerated, everything in us knows. And it's an ongoing knowledge that is growing continually. Jesus is Messiah. And when we come into that knowledge of who the Lord is, now something happens. We literally begin to enthrone the Lord as our king. We enthrone him in our lives as absolute ruler of our life, of our thoughts, of our conducts. Now, literally, we surrender to his lordship, his authority. We begin to enthrone him as king as Lord in our hearts and lives. So it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Wow, we enthrone him. But watch also the second amazing truth. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten, meaning the church. When the Lord becomes Lord over our life, not only do we enthrone him and say, Lord, you are my king. You rule over my life. I belong to you completely now. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And now we begin to love the saints who are also begotten of him. Begotten of him means the saints. So precious. Wow. Look at number five. Number five 
is 1 John 5, same chapter, and verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How beautiful. So the one who is really born again, who is regenerated, overcomes the world. The world we are in is under the dominion of the evil one. The Bible makes that very real and clear in this very chapter and in verse 19. 1 John 5, 19, it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So the whole world is ruled by the devil's ambitions and ideas. The world is at war with God. This present system is at, is, is at war. In its commercial life, in its social life, intellectual life, educational life, social life, it's at war, and this world uh, wants to exercise its power over us to pull us back into disobeying God and obeying it. And uh, in First John 5, 3, let's read that quickly here. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, his commandments are not difficult, grievous, because now, because we are, we are in the Lord, we are his children. Wow. And his love is in us. It's, it's very easy to say no to the devil. Because the world that is at war with God in its commercial life, social life, intellectual life, educational life, is constantly trying to pull us back. Think, think about all that's being taught out there in the, in the commercial world. It's all anti-God. Or in the social, anti-God. Or in the, inter, in the intellectual, anti-God. The, the educational life, anti-God. And so a lot of you sweet people may you know i'm sure have been have been under some of this and you, you you have felt that pull especially you that are being educated in certain places that are bombarding you with anti-bible uh, information that's all a myth i mean you know but when you are in the lord everything in you knows the truth and you will not submit to that world out there and so the, the, the fifth result of knowing you're really saved is that you overcome that world. You will not allow that world to overcome you. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I think about what I've heard from a number of young people who went to certain schools and colleges who were trying to convince them that the Bible is a lie. And they stood up against their own professors and said, no, the Bible is true. Some of them had to leave those, uh, bio, uh, those schools, I should say, or colleges, because they said, I'm not going to sit under that. Maybe someone is watching me whose child is in some 
a school like that, so pray for them. But true believers will never submit to the world's ways in any way. Our, our, our faith overcomes the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory, our faith. So one who is born again gets the victory over the world's ideas, over the world's purpose, plans, ambitions. He gets the victory in his personal life. He gets the victory in every area of his life and her life because they are truly born again. You see the difference between someone who's converted and regenerated. Someone can come to the Lord and say, Lord, be my savior, forgive my sin, come into my heart. And next thing you know, they are surrounded by the negatives of life and they lose that life in them. Uh, do you remember when, when, when the Lord talked about the seed falling on four different grounds? The first on the fence where the devil comes and steals it because they, before they even receive it. The second, there's no depth and, and that word is gone. And then what? It's choked by the thorns, the cares of this life. That's what I mean by converted but not regenerated. But those who are regenerated are those who are in good ground where they bear fruit for the kingdom. They grow in the Lord. If you missed the teaching yesterday, please watch it again because I, I explained the difference between conversion and regeneration. All right. Bet between coming to the Lord and following the Lord. Big difference. You have to follow him, not just come to him. All right. Now let's look at the sixth. The sixth result is 1 John 3, 9. And I, I really hope this is helping you understand what the new birth is really all about. Whosoever is born of God, 1 John 3, 9, doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Let me explain that. The sixth result is the one who is really born again. The seed of God is in him. Therefore, the one born of God is not making a practice of sin. And, and it means exactly what it says. Now, let's look at the exact force in the word sin. Sin is something done, not a sinful thought. Sin is something that is done, not a sinful thought or a sinful desire. And John defines it in verse 4 as lawlessness. So he says, let's go back to it and read uh, verse 4 real quickly here. Okay. Whosoever committeth sin, I'm reading 1 John 3, 4. Whoever commits sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So he defines it in verse 4 as lawlessness. One who commits lawlessness, which is a conscious disregard of the will of God. It's not about thought. It's about a doing, practicing sin, disregarding the will of the Lord completely. A conscience, intentional violation of the law of God. 
And that's what he means in verse 4, whoever commits sin, 1 John 3, 4, is transgressing also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Lawlessness. So, we, 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 and we need to also know the tense of the verb used in this verse. It is present tense, which shows a progressive, continuous action. So when, when John writes in verse 9, whoever is born of God does not commit sin. It's a, it's a continual practice of sin. It is, it is really saying, I, I don't care about what God says. It's a present tense, progressive, continuous action in sinning. So it's not just a thought here. So one that is born again uh, does not continue to live the life of a sinner. And what is taught here is something very, very important. It's not a single act. This sinning means ongoing, making a practice of it. So this is what it means. He that commits sin, he is making a practice of it, is of the devil. A lot of people fall into sin by a single act because we're all weak then we confess and are forgiven and go on. But it's not something we, we intentionally do. We plan to do, like I said yesterday. Now that word practicing appears also in, in 1 John 2.29. And, and you know, I really need to explain that because I know some people get confused about this one uh, truth here. It says, if you know that he's righteous, 1 John 2, 29, if ye know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that doeth or practices righteousness is born of him. So the result of really being born again is that the one begotten does not go consciously day after day doing what he knows to be contrary to the will of God but he practices righteousness. And by practicing righteousness, he's conforming to the will of God. So the new nature, basically, the new nature renders the continuous practice of sin impossible. I want to say it again. The new nature in us renders the continuous practice of sin impossible. It renders the practice of righteousness inevitable. Maybe you missed what I said. I'm going to say it one more time. The new nature in you renders the conditions, the continuous, I should say, practice of sin impossible. It renders the practice of righteousness inevitable. So you can't go on sinning, and you will go on living righteously. All right, number seven. And then we will say goodbye. First John three fourteen. These you know these are the the real results that show you you are really born born again. We have uh, sorry we know that we have passed from death. First John three fourteen. 
We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. So the seventh result is um, that you, God's people, love God's people, not the world. So let's look at this word love. It's not mere sentiment. It is love in that higher, deeper sense of desire and delight in. The sort of love that causes us to sacrifice for the brethren. And he, in fact, he explains that in verse 16. He says, hereby perceive with the love of God because he laid, he laid down his life for us. We, are, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So it causes us to sacrifice for a brother's love that is not mere affection. Um, it's, it's deep. It's genuine. Uh, we are interested in the welfare of God's people that leads us to go down deep into our pockets when there's a need out there. It leads us to uh, sacrifice our own interests for their interests, even to the point of laying down our lives for them. And that's what he said in First John 5, 1, which I just read earlier. Whosoever believes that Jesus is, is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth the Lord that begat, loveth him, meaning the saints, the church, the individual, also that is begotten of him. So one who's truly born again loves God's people. I just give you the seven results of being truly regenerated that the Bible tells us. You may want to go and listen to the teaching again and write you know, things down. I gave you, because I gave you a lot in a short time, but that's what Christianity is all about. That gives us that guarantee we're gonna be in heaven. That's what helps us make our election sure by living that kind of life that the Bible talks about. Lord, in Jesus' name, establish them. Establish them in your word. And establish your word in them in your precious and wonderful name, Jesus. I want you to make this your daily prayer, because it's my prayer every day. Lord, establish me in your word, and establish your word in me. Every time I open my Bible to read it, every day. So Lord, establish me in your word, and establish your word in my life, because only he can do that for us. Now I want to pray with you that the Lord will bless you, Bless you financially, yes. Bless your future. Bless your children. Bless you with a new position or a new job if, if you need one. The Bible is amazing. For the Lord says, no man that has left father and mother, houses or land will not receive in this life a hundredfold. God did not promise us little. He promised much. No lack, in fact. I was reading today the book of Acts, none lacked among them. And I know none will lack among us now or tomorrow. 
if we obey the Lord. Give. It shall be given unto you. That's the promise of God. But we have to obey. Give. Yes, I am talking to you because I believe I need to really strengthen you in this to show you that the Bible is true and real. Give, and it shall be given unto you. That's his promise. God cannot break and will not break that promise. It shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's not lack. Shall men give into your bosom. With the same measure that you meet or give, it shall be measured to you again. So what we sow, we reap. And we will never reap till we sow. So as we plant seed in the kingdom of God, we cannot lose that seed. It goes into our tomorrow. And it comes back multiplied. I've seen this happen in my life time after time. When I've had a need in my life, financially, I always know what to do. I sow seed. Sometimes it's difficult, I know. But it's obedience that matters before God. He that goeth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, bearing the sheaves, the harvest with him. So when we sow, we release the harvest. Do it today. Trust God. He will meet that need. He will never fail you. Never, never. He's God Almighty. That harvest will come right on time. All we have to do is simply sow that seed. So do it today on the platform you're watching me on or go to our website, benhin.org, or you can sow by uh, texting it, BHM45777. Much love. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.